Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But it is not just any bay. It's a Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And Morgan, today is season two, episode four Money, honey, it's not an ABBA song. It's a Baywatch episode. (laughs) It sure is. And it joins the ranks of Baywatch episodes where the title of the episode is said in the episode, which, you know, really is just just the mark of quality I look for in a show. I didn't pick up on that until just now. Yeah, Harvey does say it's all about the money, honey. I wonder which came first. Is it like a chicken and the egg thing? You know, I mean, it's not (laughs) as deep as chicken and the egg unless they want it to be. Uh, But I wonder which one came. I I bet they write all they think no one ever came up with. And then Harvey said, it's all about the money, honey. I'm, oh, yeah. I, I think they instead said it's money, honey. And then they were like, yeah, uh, because also otherwise they would have had nothing to uh, to reference the credit of the shallows, because no one in this show <laughs> would ever say the cre- it's the credit of the shallows. Look, <laughs> you know, which they don't say. Yeah, I think I think this episode and um, we need a vacation are the only two I can think of. Where they say the episode title oh. during it. Well, let's not do a retrospective on this. I don't I don't need to watch <laughs> through every episode again to find out which ones they say it. But this episode mm-hmm. was written by Alan Swire and directed by Monty Markham, a.k.a. Captain Thorpe. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So it gets a little gets a little meta later in the episode then, it, huh? It does. Yes. Uh, he directs a few episodes this season, so I guess I don't know if we should look forward to that or not, or it's just going to be middling. We'll see. Yeah. Anyways, this was aired October 7th, 1991. So Alan Swire, mostly he did movies about baseball. Like he did like four movies about baseball. He did one about Pete Rose. He did one called Baseball. Uh, and he did some other baseball things, though he did also write the story for the Buddy Holly story, which we've referenced earlier because the costume oh. designer, I think, for this show was also on the Buddy Holly story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alan was also supervising producer on 13 episodes of this season of Baywatch. I don't know. not I don't know why not all of them, but whatever. But there's not much to say here. Guest star in this episode is Leslie Easterbrook as Dita. So she's probably pretty familiar to the American audience. She was a main cast character in the final three seasons of Laverne and Shirley. She was also Sergeant slash Lieutenant slash Captain Debbie Callahan in Police Academy. Though I know her better. Have you seen Police Academy? I've I've never seen the full movies, but I've seen like clips from them. And I thought she looked familiar. Gotcha. Uh, though I know her better as Doris in Lava Lantula, uh, everyone's favorite movie oh, about shit. tarantulas who are yeah, on yeah, yeah. fire. Uh, so uh, that's that's a movie I actually have seen all the way through. Which you know, <laughs> look at us just cultured men watching oh, Lava yeah. Lantula. <laughs> uh, she's also an accomplished singer. She sang the national anthem at Super Bowl Seventeen. So. Wow. Uh, 
yeah, she, she's good at singing, I guess. Anyways, the other person I want to talk about is Bernie Pock. He plays the actor with the chainsaw in this episode. <laughs> um, now, you might be thinking, Michael, why would you talk about this guy who has maybe one minute of, of screen time? Well, uh, he would wind up doing a lot of stunt work uh, throughout the years. He mm. uh, was William Shatner's stunt devil in Star Trek Generations. Uh, he just said a lot of things. Oh. However, he's more well known for his death. So, really? Yes, he died at age 33 in 1996 from AIDS. Uh, oh, geez. Morgan, how much, how familiar are you with the 90s and AIDS? <laughs> I mean, I've seen Angels in America um, and read books about it and stuff. Right. So I would say reasonably. Gotcha. So his was interesting for... Interesting is the wrong word here, but you you know what I mean. Sure. For the for different reasons, which is that he he wasn't gay. His girlfriend contracted AIDS, and, and he contracted AIDS from there. And mm-hmm. he Bertie Puck is famous because his mom of his mom, his mom is maybe one of the most high-profile Asian actors of all time, Nancy Kwan. Uh, oh. She was maybe the first Asian person to be in a big-budget Hollywood film playing the role of an Asian instead of a white person playing that role instead. Mm-hmm. So this was her first movie. And, uh, I mean, ultimately, it's not that important what movie it was. Uh, she won a, She got nominated for a Golden Globe for it. I imagine because they're like, wow, you're so believable as someone who is Asian. And she's like, I am. <laughs> um, and, uh, well, in 2009, a docudrama was released about Nancy Kwan, about her rise to fame and, you know, just having this huge role put on her for being this like, you know, important person in, in the Asian acting scene, but also about the death of her son and about it totally stopped her her career. I mean, she was mm-hmm. older at that time, but uh, when she found out, you know, it just derailed her entire career. She doted on her son, and it was it just completely ended it. But yeah, so he he plays the chainsaw guy in this episode. So I guess that's huh. interesting. Lastly, there is an uncredited man in the audience role uh, in this sh- in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought I wouldn't be able to figure out which man in the audience it was, but it's not hard finding the one black person in the audience mm-hmm. at the end of this episode. This is played by Dorian Gregory, who would later go on to become your main character in Baywatch Nights. I didn't realize he was main. That's wild. Yeah, he's it's it's I mean, it's Hasselhoff, Ellerby, and and Gregory. It, this is season wow. two in the X Files season. Sure, uh, sure. Uh, he would also go on to be on some other shows. I mean, Baywatch Nights was like his first, you know, big role, and then he went on to be on like nine seasons of Charmed. So you know, he went on to do better things. <laughs> uh, but we'll talk more about him when we get to Baywatch Nights. And with that, that's everything I got. Awesome. Yeah, let's uh, let's get into this episode then. It's uh, it starts off, I would say, more action packed than a lot of episodes do where uh, Shawnee, Eddie and Harvey are trying to save Gilly the seal who's got a net sea lion, please sea lion. Sorry, Um, they're very different. 
It's true. It's true. Yeah. I just don't know enough about aquatic creatures. Morgan, you live in Seattle. You've been to Ballard <laughs> before. You have no excuse. I know. I am. I've lived on both coasts. I'm the definition of a coastal elite. I should know my uh, my sea animals better. So the fun fun <laughs> fact about living in Seattle was years and years ago we had this issue where uh, sea lions were swimming up from California to to Seattle because mm-hmm. that's where the salmon were, right? And they were actually disturbing the ecosystem. They were artificially you know, lessening the amount of salmon, which was affecting the environment negatively. Um, and Seattle started blaming it on lax restrictions in California of like, you should be monitoring mm-hmm. sea lions, not letting them go anywhere. And California was like, there's too many things for us to do. We're a big <laughs> place. What do you mean? Crack the sea lions. And Washington <laughs> State was like, oh, this is pretty easy. We just... I mean, we're not as big as you, but we're tracking them, and they're just destroying our ecosystem. And California was like, better luck next time, bub. Uh, wow. So they started hiring people with, you know, uh, non-lethal um, mm-hmm. armaments to, like, shoot the sea lions and then put them back into the water and, like, or ship them back to California. Wow. Like, this is just too much. The salmon will not survive. <laughs> What's impressive is we've now uh, replaced that problem with uh, tech bros from California instead of sea lions. Oh, God. They're even worse. (laughs) They're so much worse. (laughs) Anyways. I I recommend a similar plan. Yes, yes, yes. Morgan, when do they shoot you and ship you back? (laughs) I know. Well, hey, I'm not from California, at least. Oh, no, it's worse. (laughs) You're from New York. (laughs) It's true. It's true. Yeah, the real way you got to do it is just uh, just give me a bagel full of... uh, like animal tranquilizers and just just throw me in a crate I was just, back east. I was going to say, just, <laughs> just like, you know, long throw a Bialy and then you'll just follow it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, you joke, but I could so go for a Bialy right now. I don't think I've had a Bialy and I'm very sad. I've been wanting to for I think I've told you this. I want to try a Bialy. I yeah. just ha- there's like no place here to get one. Yeah. I'll have, to, I'll have to see if I can find some in Seattle. Oh, absolutely. I've never even looked. Well, in in 14 months when, you know, we're all better, I'm kidding. Mm-hmm. In five months, uh, we all, we'll go get Bialis. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Now, dear listener, this episode is not about Bialis. In fact, it is about this sea lion who is lacerated <laughs> down the middle. And I don't know about you. When I saw Gilly here, I thought, okay, this is either some really good makeup work that they've never used before, or this mm-hmm. is actually a lacerated sea Yeah. And yeah, I definitely had some qualms about this scene and uh, what kind of safety precautions they had put in place, if any. Like, I can't imagine them being like, yo, we gotta cut this sea lion just for this scene. I think, like, this is makeup work, but, like, I, I don't yeah. know how makeup work works on animals uh so i don't know yeah i mean yeah it's probably just like your standard stage blood which is basically just corn syrup and red food dye right um and then since they're trying to get it stick in place like normally you'd mix it with a little bit of dish soap to thin it out um but if you're putting it on an animal you probably don't want to do that for like in case it eats it kind of reasons right um 
But yeah, so the the three of them are trying to rescue Gilly, and uh, they are really bad at it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and Harvey is just real mad that he's getting involved in this, and Shawnee keeps being like, go around to the backside, and Gilly keeps spinning around, and Harvey's like, which side is the backside? Um, and then yeah. him and Eddie finally throw blankets over this sea lion, and uh, then we are done with the scene. Thank God. <laughs> um, this is the beginning of this entire episode. I have I have two main complaints with this episode. <laughs> okay. One, and they're, they're very related complaints. One is that the entire episode just feels like a PSA in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, I have no problem and then, with that. I mean, I grew up in the 90s. Everything was a PSA. That's fair. My my second complaint is that the acting feels on par with uh, a PSA for most of this episode, which is to say, not good. I think that's intentional, but <laughs> we'll get to that when we get when we get there. I think it's intentional. It could be, but yeah. So our next scene is Mitch and Hobie at the headquarters. And Hobie wants to do hockey, but Mitch just can't afford the gear, even though he promised that this month they'll be able to. But now it'll be next month. So I actually did some calculations here. Mm -hmm. So uh, Hobie says Stevie, fuck a Stevie's uncle, could get him a bunch of hockey gear wholesale with skates at four hundred eighty two dollars. Now, with Mm -hmm. inflation calculated in twenty twenty one, that would be. $938.47. That's some pretty high-end hockey gear, then. I know, right? (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like, no. well, one, no wonder Mitch is like, I can't afford 482 bucks. But also, like, I I don't play hockey, but I am sure that you can get skates for maybe, like, a hundred. I'm guessing, you know? And, like, today money, a hundred. And, yeah. and what else do you need? You need the stick and you need the gear. The, the gear itself should probably be maybe like 100. And then the stick should probably be like 60 or 80. I can't yeah. imagine how it would cost that much money. Yeah. No, I, I did actually play hockey when I was Hobie's age. Oh, and wow. Yeah, that is <laughs> like the numbers you're giving. I mean, again, that was, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. But yeah, like it certainly would not have run that much for like a decent set of gear especially if you were willing to buy used which like especially as a kid like you could always find used skates because other kids were growing out of them all the time like except for hobie who actually de-ages well (laughs) yeah (laughs) he also and i always feel a little bit bad you know talking about a child actor's bad performance, but his line delivery in this scene is so incomprehensible. It's so bad. He just kind of slurs those words together. And it's like, I get it. You know, you're a kid. You're still developing your diction and your ability to act, but it just stuck out to me as like, ooh, they didn't even bother with the second take there, huh? Like, Nope. nope. I think they might have... In my version, done a second take because it pro- is a little bit clearer than what you're what you're saying it is, but it's mm-hmm. not great. Yeah, but yeah, after uh, after they talk about hockey gear a little bit, uh, Harvey comes in and uh, he's got a scheme for how Mitch can get the money to buy uh, Hobie that hockey gear, which is weird because he seemed to have been intent on doing this thing 
anyway, so I guess he was just hoping Mitch needed money. I don't know. Well, because of Mitch's truck. Oh, truck right, right, right. working that well, so. That's true. Um, but yeah, so Harvey, uh, Harvey wants to sponsor a bikini contest and or hold one or something, and then they'll get the money, and he unrolls a poster of two women in bikinis, and then Mitch is like, this is dumb, and we're not doing this, and then Thorpe comes in and says, no contest, the one on the left, and I was like, I fucking hate Captain Thorpe yep. Yep. so much. That uh, ah, God! I mean, everybody does. the The point in the show is that he's the worst, or at least it was last season. Yeah, it feels like they're starting to like him more as a character in this season, and I don't know how I feel about it. I think they start to like him more because they all want promotions, but then again, Mitch turned down his promotion, so I'm not I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyways. Thorpe does say, next scene, Mitch, you should have taken the promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this annoys Mitch because his son also told him to take the promotion. And Mitch, Mitch just isn't about money. He's about saving lives, you know? That's just his yeah. thing. Uh, oh, yeah. But he is willing to be swayed by a couple hundred bucks, which Mitch can make by being an off-duty lifeguard at a private party at the Malibu Colony. Now, Mm -hmm. Morgan, how much do you know about the Malibu Colony? (laughs) Literally nothing. (laughs) All right. So the Malibu Colony is a real area in Malibu where at at least uh, it it has this long tradition of housing celebrities. Uh, At least it did. So in in the late 20s, early 30s, People started moving in uh, to the Malibu colony and then kind of propping it up as this like luxury real estate experience. And then as time you know went on, uh, other people besides celebrities started making tons of money, you know, socialites, whatever. So it became sure. less the acting space and more like these like high end like artists uh, and and whatever, right? But it's, it's right on the beach, so their houses would, you know, have, you know, you'd open up your front door and, and you're on the beach. Uh, but in a twisted irony, a lot of the ads I look at call it the original Malibu, um, which doesn't hmm. make sense because it is a gated community. Um, yeah. So prices start around $7 million. That was the cheapest one I saw. Uh, but... Uh, most that is like the absolute cheapest. Most sure. are not there. Like that one's a steal. Um, oh, there's God. places for rent uh, that are around. I saw about four hundred thousand for like per per night, um, which is holy crazy. shit. The most expensive one I found that's currently available to purchase is seventy five million dollars. It's five beds, six point five baths, and it's ten thousand five hundred square feet. Damn. Yeah, it's right on the beach as well. Uh, but yeah, so as you know, we can see from the party, which we'll go to later on. You know, this is a Hollywood you know party, so it makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And if like, yeah, we'll talk about that party more when we get to it. But that that part was probably one of my favorite parts of the episode. Oh, agreed. Um, but now 
now we get to go to another scene where Shawnee is talking to a very hot veterinarian oh, yeah. about Gilly. This man is is very attractive and a very bad actor. <laughs> he um, is unreasonably <laughs> hot, but also at the same time, he... I, I struggle to think if they told him act or just like, yeah, talk to your mom when he when you don't want to talk to her, <laughs> you know, the line in particular that really uh, cemented for me that he was cast based on looks was unfortunately after Saturday, there won't be a down here here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's also bad writing. Oh, it's very bad. Um, but he delivers it almost completely just monotone. And I was like, oh, man, this is Mo- bad. Monty Markham is like staring at him going, I feel the spirit of Shakespeare moving through you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really just a shame that he didn't have a running chainsaw in the scene with him. A thing that they definitely would do on a set. <laughs> it seems like having a prop in this episode makes you act better. Apparently. God, I can't wait to talk about that whole sequence. I have so many thoughts. Anyways, the point of this is that it's a Marine Mammal Center holding Mm -hmm. Gilly. They'll close down if they don't get $500,000 by Saturday. Uh, 50,000, not 500,000. Correct. Correct. (laughs) Morgan, Mm -hmm. this amount of money that they need, 1991 money, that's great. But let's talk in modern money. You know, the time value of money is important here. So... Mm -hmm. $50,000 $50,000 in 1991 at a cumulative rate of inflation of 93.1%, which is crazy, is in 2021, $96,554.33. Wow. That's a lot of money to try and raise just off of people being hot. I mean, it spoilers really for is. later, but yeah. <laughs> just like them, them, some hot people. What if I spend $40,000 on her? What will yeah. she do if, uh, if I, what, well, like, what does she do if you spend $40,000? Well, I mean, she just stands there, really. Yeah. Especially because, and, and to get ahead of ourselves a little bit, the crowd is like, 30 people, 50 people, maybe like, oh, she got other businesses to donate. She says that. Sure, sure. But yeah, yeah, this episode doesn't really hold together super well. No, Um, it also doesn't factor into the fact that out of the money raised, you might also need to put that towards costs. But you know what? (laughs) That's unimportant. Yeah. About a party. I I also was very happy that we get our first evil land developer plot on Baywatch. It just felt so <laughs> late 80s, early 90s to me. I was so happy. We had evil land developer before, didn't we? Didn't we? On credit I don't of the think shallows. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's true. But An episode of everything, man. <laughs> that's true. I feel like his being a land developer was less central to the plot than this one was like the, we need to raise money by the end of the day. Otherwise our beloved institution will become condos feels like such a trope of this time that I'm glad we're finally getting it in Baywatch. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's come around again in 2021. Well, yeah. I mean, time (laughs) is, time is cyclical. It's true. It's true. Um, 
But yeah, like you said, uh, our next scene is is the party that Mitch is working as a lifeguard for. Him and Eddie are there uh, because uh, Dita is, uh, needs it for her insurance. And it's a big old Hollywood party. And it's all actors and directors and producers. And it's basically just uh, really old guys being really creepy to very attractive young women in bikinis. Thank you for mentioning that, because I was going to as well. Yeah. It's not great. Um, I mean, in that way, it does feel very accurate to Hollywood industry parties, uh, which I guess is a point in its favor. I don't know. Um Sure. Okay, sure. <laughs> Anything to prop up this show. Yeah, at least it's realistic. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so Mitch and Eddie are trying to actually, like, do their jobs and prevent people from drowning. But then Dita, the host and the producer of the big movie that's going to happen, uh, is like, hey, you're only here because of my insurance company. I don't want you actually doing your job. And Mitch is like, well, then we're leaving, so you better call your insurance company. And then she's like, okay, fine. Just don't be too in the way, as people are, like, getting sloppy drunk and going in the water and stuff. Um, and it, this scene goes on for a long time, and there's, like, there's some random highlights, like uh, Eddie discovering that he just ate a piece of eel sushi and this is the most horrifying and disgusting thing he could possibly imagine. And yep. he spits it out all over a guest. And, oh, boy, isn't it funny that, that sushi is exotic in 1991? I think it's the eel part, specifically. Yeah, that's true. It's not the toe. Okay, so there's this actress in this scene. Mm-hmm. They call her Cover Girl. That's, that's, that's the credit. She has no name. She's just Cover Girl. Is this the girl in the, like, black one piece who keeps flirting with Eddie? Yes. Um, And she actually comes back on Baywatch, not as this character. She comes back three times. And by the (laughs) third time, she actually gets a main guest episode role. That is in three seasons from now, however. Um, She's she's actually pretty good by the standards of almost every other actor in this episode. I I would agree. Yeah. Um, there, so she tells Eddie it could either be tofu or eel, and he's mm-hmm. like, this is really great, and then he spits it, and his spit ends up on the, uh, producer, no, on the director's jacket. This whole mm-hmm. thing feels like they shot 50 million things and were like, let's just, you know, piecemeal some of them together. Uh, because oh, for sure. Eddie's sushi scene cuts into an Eddie swimming scene. Um, yep. And I'm like, do you really have no scene you could put in between that? Like, really nothing? Like, there's a scene right before this of you meet the main actor of the movie who's going to play a martial artist who is a tattoo who falls in love with a street musician. Um, mm-hmm. You could have put that after the eel scene. Yeah. And, and you wouldn't have had to cut directly to Eddie. <laughs> Yes. From Eddie. <laughs> yep. Uh, but you see, it's it's actually a secret cinematography chi- uh, trick to show the passage of time and show that really, you know, uh, Eddie and Mitch are starting to get lost in this party and really just like lose their sense of self and uh, and embrace this new Hollywood lifestyle. Well, Morgan, <laughs> let, me, let me throw out another cinema, a cinema trick, as they say. Ooh. I'm going to I'm going to break down 
some of the cinematography of the sushi scene. Um, Please. Okay. Now we all know the rule of thirds, right? Mm -hmm. We're all good here. But I think what Monty Markham did here is ingenious. Because in this scene, he is representing Hieronymus Bosch's piece de resistance, (laughs) the Garden of Earthly Delights. Because (laughs) we have on the left, we have CoverGirl representing heaven, representing Mm -hmm. purity, Tofu, eel, doesn't matter. I like all things, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like she's just doing, she's doing great. Eddie in the middle represents heaven. All of a sudden experiencing pleasure, you know, he's eating this thing that tastes really good. He spits it out, you know, but like he is tasting it. He's slow, starting to engage with this thing that's being introduced into heaven. And then mm-hmm. the third Part of the picture is hell. We have him spitting on the director, and he's giving a scowl, and he's wiping the sushi off of his suit. <laughs> this is pure hell. So clearly, Monty Markham, very influenced by this, is mm-hmm. identifying how uh, all three of these people have sinned upon Jesus. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, really, just the amount of references to high art in this episode between this and the constant references to Shakespeare later in the episode. It's really, you know, Baywatch is high art. I mean, we already one might say it's a withering height. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) going to try to do one of those each episode. I'm going to hate it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Let's see. Uh, To get us back on track, uh, next up, we have Mitch uh, trying to get a boat to go out past the breakwater because they're too close to the shore, but they won't. Um, And so people start falling in and then Mitch and Eddie have to start rescuing them. Um, And then Dita tries to convince the star of her movie to go in the water to go rescue people, too, because... There's press around, and you gotta look like a hero. But much like Garner, he hates the water. <laughs> um, and this rescue goes on forever. Um, oh yeah, I skipped through it. The star of the movie uh, tries to pull himself up onto the boat via the rope, but ends up smashing his face on the boat and knocking himself out. And then they all get back to the beach eventually, after Mitch and Eddie rescue everyone. And Dita is like, hey, Mitch, what if instead of that guy who just knocked himself out and looked like a dumbass, what if you star in the movie? And Mitch <laughs> says, nah. What about what if you, the new dumbass, star, <laughs> star in this movie? Um, and, and by the way, she wants to rewrite the script of the movie. She makes mm-hmm. the lead a lifeguard who is also a private eye, which is just the plot of Baywatch Nights. Yes. Also, also, Mitch looked super hot in this scene. Oh, Holy yeah. shit. Like, especially this scene with his hair, like, wet. Oh, it, oh, it was super hot. Oh, yeah. I mean, David Hasselhoff is a very attractive man. Oh, yes. Like, yes. <laughs> but exceptionally also, I mean, a lot of this episode is me going, Man, Mitch is. Yeah. He's hot. But this scene especially. Uh, Let's see. Next up, um, we get a brief, very brief scene where Mitch, Harvey, Shawnee, and Thorpe are in the break room. And Harvey's trying to convince Mitch to take the acting role. 
And then Shawnee just like straight up delivers a monologue to camera about how we should care about sea lions more. <laughs> and it's oh, it's whoa. like a 15 second scene and it comes out of nowhere because Mitch is like a real career is saving people. And Shawnee's like, is a real career saving animals? And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's oof. That was the first place in my notes where I wrote, oh, this is a PSA. Yeah. Like, just, oh, man, it's so bad. But yeah, then we get another scene with our same cast of people. Uh, but this time we're on one of the lifeguard towers as Dita shows up to the beach and Eddie makes a really, really long and rambling joke about how she's the Wicked Witch of the West and it's a real fucking A to Z. So like um, I'd like to walk you through my notes on this before <laughs> I realize this is a Wizard of Oz reference. Sure. Um, because I looked it up at one point and I was like, oh, Wizard of Oz. And because I paused it right before they said Wicked Witch. So mm -hmm. I was like, if I had played it three more seconds, I would have had the context. But nope. So uh Eddie says, do the words don't fall asleep in the poppy fields mean anything to you? And I wrote, no, it does not. I do not get it. <laughs> like, are you going to get high? Does something happen, happen in poppy fields? Is it because the largest grower of opium is Myanmar and it's not safe there? What is it? I, I, I don't get this. Is this a like I don't do a lot of idioms. I wasn't raised on idioms, which is a thing people mm -hmm. get really confused by when they do normal American idioms. And I'm like, I have no clue what you're saying. So I thought, huh? Yeah. Like I just, I, I wasn't raised with them. Like I, I did not learn. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth until like 2018. Uh, and it took me a few days to be like, Oh, I get it now. After mm -hmm. someone kept explaining it to me. I just don't know idioms. Um, so I was like, is this an idiom I don't know? Like, is this, like, <laughs> you know, is this a thing normal sure. people say, but my weird ass parents are like, we're only going to use like weird Hispanic Jewish idioms. Like one does not paint an egg with farts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, it, it's it's like, don't be duplicitous. That's what that means. What? Yeah. <laughs> OK, uh, look, huh. uh, look again, I, I wasn't raised on normal people idioms. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm beginning to get that now. <laughs> <laughs> that one's my favorite one, by the way, because everyone is just like, wait, what does that mean? And then I explain it and, and they have the same reaction as you. Um, so I didn't get it. And then Wizard of Oz and I was like, oh, Wait, why? Like, why is he calling her the Wicked Witch of the West? Like, it, yeah, she she's done like one thing to them. She said, hey, just like calm down a bit. And then she offered to pay Mitch a bunch of money. So why is she the Wicked Witch of the West? I yeah, I completely agree. It just feels like they're being shitty to her because she's a woman who's showing the slightest bit of like agency and self-confidence like <laughs> maybe. But we also learn a few seconds later that that Eddie is very jealous of Mitch and he yes. wants to be a star. And he asks what oh, Mitch yeah. has that he doesn't. Um, so maybe it's that could be. Um, but yeah, the um, that 
Oz reference registered with me immediately because I am someone who dressed up like Glinda multiple years for Halloween as a kid and read nice. every single one of the books and watched the movie obsessively and uh, actually had a an experience as a kid where I went to go see a stage production of The Wizard of Oz with my mom dressed up as Glinda and our car broke down on the side of the road and a pagan trucker picked us up and let me honk the truck horn and then took us for grilled cheese and lemonade while my dad came to get us. And what? it was a delightful experience. What? <laughs> Honestly, that's I was ex- I was expecting you to say like, oh yeah, and then a, a witch came down in a broom. But this is way weirder. Like a pagan truck driver. Like, is this a conversation yeah. that you have with them? You get into yeah. the truck, you're like, you one of them pagans? <laughs> no, I mean, I was wearing like a you know Glinda outfit, so like pink dress and tutu, and holding a wand. And he saw the wand and was like, oh, are you into magic? And then like started talking about paganism. Um, I mean, I was like six at the time, so I only vaguely remember this. But yeah, no, it was, it was pretty great. Some say the incantation for all spells is a truck horn. <laughs> you just honk it for a while and then grilled cheese appears. God, I wish um, uh, my life would be so much better if I had a grilled cheese horn that I could honk. <laughs> I mean, in our in our new line of Baywatch Rookie School products, that is going to be one of them. Uh, uh, yes. But so Mitch is having this conversation with Dita. Harvey decides immediately, like, Mitch cannot have this conversation. I got to help him. But mm-hmm. Dita, Dita thinks Mitch is a believable hero. Uh, mm-hmm. And she pulls a the room level acting experience, which oh, says, boy. I know what <laughs> women like and they will like you. Um, yeah. OK. And she also says, I only pretend to be a bitch. Um, which, oh, my God. So I guess she's not because she said she's only pretending to be one. Like, I, I don't I don't get this scene like I get it. I super don't. Yeah. I mean, it's basically just her flirting with Mitch a bunch and like trying a bunch of different tactics to get him to agree to be in the movie. I actually think I think it was done reasonably well. Yeah. I think she's not a great actor, but like I I got her character motivations pretty well. I think her line readings are just weird a lot of the time. Oh, yeah, um, sure, sure. No, I think it's, you know, I, I think technically this could be more competently done as an episode and be a lot better. Yeah, <laughs> I feel that way about every Baywatch episode. <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. Um, but my favorite part of this scene is when Harvey shows up in his agent outfit, oh, which God. is this, like, oversized brown button down shirt with this weird, very like 70s floral print vest. I think um, it has movie theater like rug pattern. Very much so. But he shows up with that and a pair of sunglasses and it's just like, hey, Mitch, my client, what are you doing, baby? <laughs> and Dita's like, what the fuck is going on? And Harvey's like, um, this guy's agent and we're going to negotiate for a salary. Dear listener, <laughs> Harvey does not talk at all like that. But if he had, this episode would bump up two numbers in my rating. <laughs> He's not that far off. He's a little bit like faster with his patter than what I was doing. But it's a very like drawly kind of like. But he absolutely does not 
sound like it's my client, baby. He doesn't. He sound does like- kind of on his opening line. Okay, point is, it's still bad. It's still bad. Oh, it's really bad. I really did not assume this was going to work. Um, But it turns out he's actually really good at it and manages to negotiate a pretty solid deal for Mitch where uh, he gets pay or play, pay or play. Um, And I think it's like 25K on signing and 125 on clothes or something. 150 on clothes, yeah. On first day. On first day, that's what it is. Right, right, right. Yep. And then they shake on it, which is, according to to law, is a contract. Yep. However, uh, there is no written contract that is signed. So, yes. uh, I mean, that is the breaks. Uh, yeah. Now we get to the next scene, and I am pulling a nose goes. <laughs> so, all you. Oh, all right. Yeah. So, uh, this next scene starts off with uh, Mitch and Shawnee standing in front of a fireplace, flirting, and they go to, basically, Shawnee starts taking off his shirt, and they're about to start making out, making out, uh, and then Thorpe pops up in between (laughs) them and says some goofy-ass shit that I don't remember the exact line, but it was such fucking whiplash. Um, It was... Very, I was so creeped out at first. I was like, yes. oh no, oh no, please. Yeah. Please don't. I thought this was going to be some sort of weird, like, dream sequence or something, but I couldn't even figure out why. Um, but it turns out they are rehearsing for the movie. I was actually pleasantly surprised by that. I actually, yes. once I found out what it was, I was like, you know what? Like, partially that's on me because that is how, uh, uh, like, <laughs> the lines would be read in this sure. in this movie. And it's on me to be like, oh, fuck, what are they doing? But then I also know that Baywatch wouldn't do that because it's really sold on Eddie and Shawnee together. And Mitch would never do that to Shawnee yeah. or to Eddie. So, like, I should have assumed better. But then Thorpe coming up and just being like, <laughs> Mitch, it's just like. That's a soul so scene. Funny. <laughs> so. It was it was genuinely very funny. Yes. Um yeah, the the big reason I was so confused by it is because it's lit exactly the same way as the dream sequences between Eddie and Gina back when Eddie was having Oedipal wet dreams about her. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah. And so I was like, where are you going, Baywatch? Like, what the fuck is happening? It's like, this um, wasn't in the episode description. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're they're rehearsing for the movie because they're going to do a screen test. Um, this is not what screen tests are, mm-hmm. generally. Um, screen tests are, are an actor reading their lines in front of a camera, sometimes with someone to play off of, but usually they're reading sides. And yeah, this uh, anyway, (laughs) it's amazing. It's amazing how frequently Hollywood gets aspects of how they do things wrong. Yeah. And it confuses me. But yeah, basically the rest of this scene is Eddie totally not being jealous about this. Um, Wait, actually, quick question. Go to a previous point you just said. What do you think gets Hollywood more accurately? Baywatch or Birdman? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, technically, 
Birdman is trying to do Broadway, not Hollywood. Oh, that's. Oh, wait, you're right. You're right. Okay, wait, you're right. And that's a stupid <laughs> question. We'll revisit this later <laughs> when uh, we watch something else. Um, in fact, <laughs> once we watch Soap Dish, we yes. will come back to that. We will come back to this. Oh, so yeah. apologies to everyone, especially I know the one person who's probably going to get upset about this, Morgan's mom. I'm very sorry <laughs> when you listen to this. I apologize. I keep doing this thing or I embarrass your son. I don't mean to be doing that. It's just just happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, sometimes you just you got to do what you got to do for the content. Yeah. It's all all about those sweet, sweet sponsorship deals that we're definitely raking in yeah word to your mother (laughs) god are we really back in the 90s oh i mean yeah i don't know if vanilla ice ends up on this show but i hope he does man i hope so we need to see the vanilla ice movie cool as ice i really want to watch that oh i want to see that so bad (laughs) anyways so um, Thorpe says that because this is a screen test, every word has to be treated as if it is Shakespeare. Um, he doesn't <laughs> say it like that. He says, as if it is Shakespeare. Um, uh, and, of course, Monty Markham is directing the episode where someone talks about Shakespeare over and over while he's trying to direct actors. Like, come the fuck on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is, this is what I was talking about earlier in the episode when I said that this episode gets meta because... Monty Markham directed this episode, and he's directing in this episode because Shakespeare, Shakespeare, because Baywatch is just so well written. I'm not arguing with that. Okay, (laughs) but yeah, so basically, Eddie Eddie gets jealous that Mitch is getting to flirt with Shawnee, and then Shawnee uh, comforts Eddie by flirting with him and telling him, "Don't worry, when we get home, we can reenact this scene, but I won't make you suffer." Um, and then they make out a little bit, and I once again got mad that Shawnee's entire role as a girlfriend is comforting Eddie and his emotional insecurities because he is a child, um, and she deserves better. Well, but it, it, in season two, yes. In season one, there is a few parts where Eddie yeah. is comforting her, but those scenes stand out so much because you're like, wait, Eddie's being nice? So, yeah. yeah, I'm just adding to that. They do try and switch it up, but it's done so infrequently that it stands out. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, they they decide that this scene just isn't working. And so we're going to do a different scene instead, which is that Eddie is a drug crazed murderer with a chainsaw and he's going to saw Mitch in half. And he he just swims in the river of ham and no one can contain their laughter, and he gets real embarrassed that everyone is laughing at him and is acting. And then the scene ends. I thought this was a great callback to last episode where Terry Funk, a.k.a. Chainsaw Charlie in the WWF, oh, um, yeah. has a chainsaw. And I thought this was a great tribute to pro wrestling. That's my pro wrestling reference this episode. <laughs> I don't think there's going to be any more. Done. I didn't even put that together, but yeah, you're totally right. Actually, so... Also in this scene, uh, I'd like to talk about a little bit. So Mm -hmm. Mitch is or David Hasselhoff is doing, I think, a pretty great job of looking like he doesn't know how to act. Yes. Uh, Especially with the physical mannerisms. He's doing top notch physical, like really stupid, like I don't know what to do with my hands mannerisms. Yes. Uh, And then 
I think it's actually great writing um, that they throw it. There's this inconsequential word that no one has ever used. Um, and like, oh, in most, yeah, like in most <laughs> films, it's really important that you get this one word right that nobody at all cares about. Yes. So he calls Eddie a scuzz bucket when he should be saying scud bucket. And Hobie says, <laughs> dad, like scud missile, dad. And and uh, <laughs> Mitch goes, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. And yeah. my one note is, I fucking hate you, you little piece of demonic filth. <laughs> Stop correcting your father. Um, but uh, Eddie, Eddie overacts. It's very funny. I do think it's funny that they put in this one word that keeps on throwing Mitch off. Uh, yeah. But I do think it's stupid. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree with all of that. Um, and yeah, it yeah, <laughs> it's so it's so weird and overacted. But one of my favorite things ever in TV or film is watching actors play bad actors. Yeah, it just like uh, it's always just so satisfying to me. It is. And Hasselhoff does it very, very well. Yeah. Oh, he definitely does. But yeah, so next up, uh, we get the return of my favorite character in the show so far, uh, which is Shawnee's pastel blue Celica. Um, I love that car so much. Um, (laughs) You didn't talk about Dita's car either, and I'm a little disappointed. Oh, that's true. Yeah, it was. um, I'm legitimately doing this from memory. It was uh, like late. 80s early 90s uh it was a merc i want to say it looked like probably an e class because it was a convertible in red um yeah i would guess i'm not sure the model other than an e class but yeah those old those old boxy mercs are really really pretty i do love them let's talk about shawnee's car yeah and then then you've got the Celica, which I mean, you know, I covered in the intro episode of season two, but it's still just such a great car. Old, old Celicas are just the best. But yeah, the reason uh, the reason Shawnee's in her Celica is because she's going to go visit Gilly and also the hot veterinarian who we we also they give us his first name. His credit has a last name. That mm-hmm. they never give. And I'm like, why Why do you do this show? Just say Dr. Frank or just say Frank. You don't yeah. have to be like Dr. Frank Enriquez. Like nobody's <laughs> like, oh, man. And his last name is Enriquez. That changes everything. Like, no, who the fuck cares? And then you're going to be like, this character is called Cover Girl. Like pick one <laughs> and stick yeah. with it. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like uh it's almost like Baywatch is bad at writing female characters most of the time. Mm, ah, what are you talking about? Yes, the answer is yes. But yeah, Shawnee talks to Hot Vet and he reveals that they just weren't able to raise the money to save the animal rescue. And so Shawnee's like, What if I make you the title sponsor of the bikini contest and all the money will go to you? And he's like, Really? Okay, sure. Um, <laughs> and that's pretty much the whole scene because he's a really bad actor. Yeah. Um, but he just has such glorious hair. Oh, like, he does. It's so good. Um, but speaking of acting, uh, now we get to see Mitch being put into his stage makeup and everyone's there hyping him up because he's super nervous. 
And then we get this like really surprisingly artistic montage of him acting and parts of it are in black and white because Hobie is filming it. And apparently Hobie's a big fan of the Dutch angle um, because he just keeps using them all over the place. Yeah. And I was like, this is actually pretty good. It felt very music video to me. It was odd because Hobie, from what I could tell, I didn't watch the montage more than once. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it was a Super 8. And I can't imagine that it really needed, like, on a film. Okay, if you were a kid, this is Mm -hmm. in kayfabe of Baywatch, right? You had a Super 8 camera. You were also on a movie set that does a light balance. And you're outside on a, looks like, a sunny day on the beach. I can't imagine you shooting a Super 8 will come out all that well. Um, no, because that thing is going to be washed out to hell. Right. For people who don't know with a Super 8, you do have to do a white balance before every shot, basically, because otherwise it's just going to come out oversaturated and you can't see anything, or it's going to become blacked out and you still can't see anything. So yeah. it's it's a lot of work. I've done it before back in the day. When I, oh, really? Oh, I mean, I, mean, I, I, I've, I did some film stuff back in the day. And I went to some film school for a little while. So, sure. like, uh, but one of my favorite things to do was we shot a Super 8 film. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, doing that. It's just, it's like a pain in the neck compared to using, you know, newer tech because it's totally. Like, you don't have to, like, hold up this thing and be like, okay, does that look good? Does that look good? Before every shot. Uh, yeah. And I can't imagine this eight year old, I think he's eight. With a super something eight like that, yeah, being like, I'm gonna do the white balance before each shot because <laughs> he looks like she's just running around going, Dad, Dad, Dad. Um, yeah, but uh, Morgan, what music do you get with this scene? It's pretty just generic, uh, like rock music. The the good song for me is during the bikini montage later. Um, this oh, one's just boy. kind of generic. Well, it's the opposite for me. Because uh, the good one is here and the bad one is during the bikini. Oh. Okay, so this song is called Do Your Thing. And it is by my personal favorite of our Baywatch music writers, Sean McHugh. Is oh, nice. Also written by Tariq Akoni, who is the former, this is a very weird title, former department chair of guitars for like <laughs> the L.A. <laughs> Like, School of Music. Uh, He's also the musical director for Josh Groban. Um, Just as a person? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, And then he's worked with, like, everybody you've heard of. Like, Jennifer Lopez, Taylor Swift, like, freaking everybody. Oh, Um, no kidding. uh, I give this song a B. Here is the lyrics. There you go. Feel the sunshine. Before you know, the day is done. Don't go waiting till tomorrow because tomorrow may never come. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. You don't know what you're missing until you go down that road. It's all good fun reminiscing, but tomorrow may never show. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. Do your thing. Just do your thing. Just do your thing. 
just do your thing. <laughs> now, that got knocked half a grade because we had four just do your things with one do your thing and then another three just do your things. And I was like, what? what is the point of writing that lyric? <laughs> like, yeah. That, that annoys the fuck out of me. But <laughs> it is catchy. So I like that song. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can really tell that a lot of writing effort went into those lyrics. Oh, absolutely. Well, look, <laughs> Sean McHugh sat down. He's like, I just got to do my thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so once uh, once this montage is over, we get Mitch doing his real screen test, um, which, again, I mean, generally for a screen test, from what I understand, you wouldn't fully you wouldn't fully light it nope. and bring in the director and the producer and everyone. But, nope. you know, you, you also for a screen test wouldn't use full props. Uh, yes. You you well, have you have no props at a screen test. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're they're doing the scene that Mitch had run a couple times with Eddie, where there's the drug crazed murder with the chainsaw and they're running the chainsaw during the screen test and i was like you would never do that like there's no possible way you're ever going to be able to capture sound from that if you have a fucking chainsaw running like mitch's dialogue is going to be completely incomprehensible which it was which it was exactly like (laughs) i mean and add on to that the cost of running this chain also they set up lots of props uh, yeah and stuff and they decided to shoot on location and yeah. they decided, you know what? You know what? Let's bring out 40 staff members. They're all going to yeah. be paid for today. <laughs> yeah. I just like it was so wild to me. Um, but yeah, we also during this uh, Shawnee tries to convince Harvey to use the bikini contest to save the sea life rescue. Um, and he's kind of into it a little bit and then she finally convinces him and he's like all right sure and then mitch is having real problems with it and is like hey maybe we don't run the chainsaw um and the director is like that's the best idea i've ever heard (laughs) i never would have thought of such a thing and i was like you're a shit director huh absolutely (laughs) that's why earlier in the in the episode at the party there's this italian director and of course all italians who make film are good uh yes you know some nights i just sit down with my fellini and a spaghetti as we (laughs) discussed before and i say i just want to watch random italian i just put on any italian and it's Mm -hmm. just the greatest movie ever uh and said italian director said he's seen every one of this director's films and hated all of them. And I can now <laughs> see why. <laughs> yes. I got to say, my personal favorite piece of just, like, real, true Italian cinema, like, when I when I think of, like, what is the most exemplary piece of Italian cinema, um, the only thing I can think of is the Super Mario Brothers movie with uh, Bob Hoskins and John Leguizamo, the two most that's, Italian people I can imagine. That's a way better answer than I could have given. Oh, my God. I, that makes me so happy. Yes. <laughs> Here at Baywatch Rookie School, we actually like the Super Mario Brothers movie because yeah. it's, it's fun and schlocky. Yeah. No, it's actually, like, legit, if you haven't seen it, it's a bad Super Mario movie, but it is just good. Like, it's just worth watching. 
it um, everybody gives it shit because of the Mario element. But yeah. if you take into account the fact that it's like so separate from anything else, you know, Mario, like you watch it for like 10 minutes. You'd be like, this doesn't seem very Mario like, <laughs> uh, you know, but, but Michael, they even tell you right away in the film that the two characters names are Mario Mario and Luigi Mario. So how could it not be a Mario movie? Look. If you didn't know, Fellini's full name is Luigi Mario Fellini. <laughs> Everybody has the name Mario as a middle name <laughs> in Italy. I say that because my ex-coworker, uh, who does international support, um, is in Italy, and his first name is Mario. And so oh. therefore, as the only Italian I personally know, I can therefore assume... This sample size is actually respective of the population of Italy, mm-hmm. and all of them are named Mario. I think there's no other possible explanation. Nope. Now, this director, he says <laughs> to Mitch, trying to get him to, you know, act better, he says, you need to feel all the weight of this underneath your surface. But on the surface, you have no fear. Play the subtext. And Mitch, of course, like every bad actor or actor trying to play a bad actor just goes play the subtext play the subtext what the hell is subtext which actually made me laugh a little bit yeah no that was pretty funny um but this next part um is just wild yes yeah so we cut from mitch about to do another take to a guy riding a bike and then another guy in a crew neck sweater and a very red face shows up and just like hits the guy on the bike and then appears out of a bathroom and attacks another guy. He, he twists his neck, actually. Which is yeah, great. it's it's wild. And Mitch sees all of this and is like, I should go help. So he runs after the guy and the producer, Dita, is like, go film Mitch. This will be our screen test now. Um, so they the entire film crew picks up their reflectors and cameras and starts running after Mitch as he's attacking this random guy who is just attacking people on the beach. And then they fight for a bit. And then eventually Mitch like pins him down while everyone stands around and watches. Um, And then a bunch of cops show up and Dita's like, Hey, Eddie, make yourself useful and go get that guy to sign a release so we can use this guy's footage in our film. And it was the fucking weirdest shit I've ever seen in a TV show. My favorite part of this is there's this huge set. Apparently they've planned for like 15 scenes or something. And yeah, there's all these on a screen test. Right. Again, that's important on a screen test. And there's all these barrels set up and they look they're like, you know, you know, your uncle's knockoff toxic barrels kind of thing. Yes. And so they fight towards them. And then, of course, because I think this is supposed to be a pastiche of action films in this scene, Mitch punches the guy who then falls through the toxic barrels. Mm -hmm. uh, And then that's that's the final punch. And I'm like. Dear listener, I cannot explain to you (laughs) how fucking random this is. It's so weird. It literally is just Mitch shooting, guy on a bike, 
enjoying watching this and dude in like sweatpants and a sweatshirt again a yeah. sweatshirt on the beach um comes up and just punches the shit out of people like yeah what <laughs> i don't i don't understand at all it's not it's great it just doesn't make sense it really doesn't now now this next scene does make mm-hmm. sense and that is that Shawnee is talking to Harvey about the bikini contest, and Shawnee mm-hmm. clearly does not want to pose in a bikini, and mm-hmm. Harvey is kind of disappointed by this. And yep. I'm like, Harvey, sh- shut the fuck up. Do you uh, do you have, by chance, the line that Harvey says written down? Because uh, I do. I don't. Go for it. Uh, so, like you said, Shawnee's not particularly interested in being in this, uh, contest and says that she got enough sponsors and hopes that they have enough girls. And Harvey says, all we need is you, my little rumpus room. Oh, yeah. He did that. <laughs> oh, God. I tried to I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know who wrote that, but I don't like it. Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you who wrote it. Alan Swire. Well, yeah. Because, you know, Morgan, sometimes in the game of baseball, when you're going <laughs> up to play and you hit the you hit the ball, you just go, why, it's going towards the rumpus room. <laughs> By which it means ass. Uh, yeah. And oh boy, are we about to get a lot of ass. Um, we have one more scene before that, but... Damn it, Morgan! You've you've got me excited. <laughs> I just wanted rumpus room. Oh. Well, this next this next scene I would say is pretty exciting as well, uh, oh, which is that room. Mitch is uh, Mitch is up late watching some old action movies and then does the taxi driver bit in the mirror, uh, and Dita shows up and is like, "The door was unlocked, but don't worry, I locked it," and starts flirting and making out with Mitch. And Mitch is super not into it, but Dita is pushy. And Mitch is like, I didn't think this was part of the deal. And she goes, call it an oral agreement. Uh, and, oh. So bad. God. So bad. The writing in this episode just hurts. Yep. Um, And then uh, he turns her down and she's not happy. And she's like, you're going to regret this. And he's like, I already do. Um. And then he goes to the mirror and does one last you talking to me and then whip cut to a bunch of bikini girls in the back of a truck with surf rock guitar riffs. It's so fucking abrupt and it hurt my brain. <laughs> so yeah, tell me tell me more about about the scene. Tell yeah. me more about the music. So this scene is a lot, a lot of very uh, rapid shots up and down women's bodies as they spin in bikinis uh, while a surf rock song plays where probably 80% of the lyrics is just them going, California, California, California. And that's the whole song. Wait a second. Did we get the same song? That can't be. No. Maybe. Wait a second. Okay, well, it might we might have gotten the same song here, which is going to be crazy, because um, the lyrics of mine are also very California centric. Um, so I got a song called California, and it's not the opening song from the show The OC, uh, but <laughs> California, here we come. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, mind you, 
if any listeners of this podcast want to talk the OC with me, tweet me. Um, so I've never seen the show, so it's it's not horrible, uh, <laughs> but you know it's it's definitely of its time. I like it, but it's yeah. it's so of its time with like the casting of the leads uh, on it, uh, and it did jumpstart. Mm, a career i guess i guess rachel bilson technically is now the most famous of those uh because misha barden doesn't act anymore but anyways so this song is written by devin powers devin's thing is he makes music for tv shows and by say i makes music for tv shows it's that he also made so much music for tv shows he has the powers production company which also hires people to make music for tv shows uh he has personally apparently made music for over 450 tv shows damn Um, now these include things like the bachelor amazing race the biggest loser so you know these like shows that don't really need much of like front facing music they just have something on the background sure Uh, sure but if you look at Devin, look up DevinPowers.com, you find out, oh, wow, he has written for a lot of things. Like, he's still writing for basically every Netflix show under the sun that's not, like, you know, studio drama. He's writing mm-hmm. music for it. Um, so, he's a pretty big deal. This song, I give a D plus. Um, oh, yeah, it's, if it's the same one that I listen to, it's not good. Is it the one that's kind of, like, feels like you know, classic-y roots rock, where it's just like, oh, yeah, California, take me on a sunshine ride. Yeah. Okay, so it's the same song. So this is great. I'm going to read you all the lyrics. There's too Mm -hmm. many lyrics, so enjoy this. California, 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 oh, yeah. California, 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 oh, yeah. Take me on a sunshine ride. Cool ocean breeze we can fly. Hate that line. Laying down mm-hmm. a one-way track. Once you're here, you never want to go back. Also yep. hate that. Palm trees in the boulevard. Hollywood sign in the movie stars. Doesn't really mean much to me, because when I'm here, I'm, I feel free. California. Oh, yeah. California, California. Oh, yeah. Also, I hate the fact that these oh, yeahs are, like, not consistent. Um, yeah. Throughout. Oh, yeah. California. 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 Oh, yeah. Looking out for summertime getaway. The big scene make you want to find a way to come back and do it again. Down to the coast where the days never seem to end. Except for the fact <laughs> that they do because the sun goes down. You can feel so alive. You take me to the highest high. And that's what matters to me. You make me feel so free. California. 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 Oh, yeah. California. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, everything's all right on a California night. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. And everything's in reach. We, we have all we'll ever need. The sun, the stars, the beach, and you and me. You and me. You and me. Mm-hmm. That song sucks ass. It's uh, not good. It sucks rumpus room. <laughs> it just sucks rumpus room. Uh, it's It's definitely interesting that I think this is the first time that the remaster has had a song that they actually bothered to license from the original run. Um, but it makes sense, like, a lot of what you were saying with the the writer being someone who's still very active in the scene. Like, I imagine it's much easier to secure licensing rights from him than it is, you know, whatever random one-off session musician they had come in for oh, of course. some of the stuff in season one. Of course, and that's something I hope one day if we, you know, get some interview with someone... 
uh, from the show. Something I really want to talk about with them because yeah, yeah there's some there are an episode or two later on that are kind of infamous for the fact that there was so much music in it that they couldn't get licensed that it kind of ruined the episode and it changed things up, like to actually delete scenes uh, yeah. from it because it makes no sense because people are singing the lines right Um, right and so for this to exist in both versions is actually kind of crazy to me Uh, yeah but it's also a bad song and i hate it yes yes um you know what else i hate morgan what michael harvey says he can't believe mitch didn't sleep with dita yeah oh boy yeah he's he's real mad about that and Thinks Mitch really turned some down because she's a foxy lady. Um, and then he's like, so, Mitch, did you get fired or quit? And Mitch is like, I don't know. I guess I got fired. And then Harvey goes, pay your play, pay your play, pay your play, <laughs> and runs off to go MC the bikini contest. Mitch is and Mitch very is like, nonplussed by this. Yeah, Mitch is super confused and is just like, what the fuck, Harvey? Yep. Um. So then Shawnee, uh, we see emceeing the Bikini Girls and talks about saving the animals wait, in wait, another. Wait, 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 wait. We can't, <laughs> we can't just speed through this scene. We got to go okay. into detail. First, All right. Shawnee gets up on stage and she's going for the summer Canadian tuxedo look. Yes. It's, it's, it's yes. Canadian tuxedo with short shorts. Uh, yeah. And like a Canadian and a. It's. It's Daisy Dukes with a denim jacket yeah. and a like black crop top underneath. It's it's a look. Now, oh, yeah. as Morgan said, Shawnee does talk about the mammals, the sea mammals specifically. Uh, mm-hmm. And I'm honestly very shocked. No one has shouted anything misogynistic at her. Like, yes, shut up. We don't care. And then someone beats I, him up. I was really expecting booze during this. I was um, but all we got instead was boobs. Sorry. <laughs> Are you happy now? Are you happy? <laughs> no, very rarely. <laughs> I was half expecting someone to boot and then Eddie had to like run up on stage and go, what you talking about? And then like jump at someone and beat on them because that's the kind of yep. thing Eddie does. And then mm-hmm. Shawnee would have to be like, no, stop doing that. And she had to pull him away. And then there'd be like an end of episode lesson on Eddie being like, I just had to control my anger. And then she kisses him and it ends. But no, that's not at all what happens. Yeah, they don't boo. Uh, instead, we unfortunately had to deal with Harvey having more screen time. I OK, so I do kind of love this next sequence with I, Harvey. I do, but I still hate him. But no, I oh, like, yes, I like this scene for it. What's the word? Challenging misogyny, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I so to to briefly give kind of the plot overview of what this next scene is, which is that, you know, Shawnee finishes her little PSA and then Harvey comes in and he's like, you know, everyone else is wearing a bikini. But what about me? Well, I'm wearing a bikini, too. And then he's like, you know, unless we raise enough money, I'm going to take my clothes off and you're going to have to see it. Um, and then he just does. He rips off his tearaway shorts and he's wearing a very tight pink mm-hmm. cheetah print Speedo. And uh, Harvey, Harvey's Harvey's packing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Holy huge package. shit. <laughs> man's uh man. I understand why uh, he is as confident as he is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, some people got a rumpus room. This guy's got a rumpus <laughs> <laughs> I I hate it. 
a title, title of the episode right there. Pump this, this room. This man's got a pumpus room. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's he's wearing some real real tight uh, bikini or French bikini cut uh, bottoms and a t- bikini top, and then uh, he's like, hey. We raised $32,000, and now let's announce the winner. And so Shawnee hands him an envelope that he can read out with the name, and he starts reading it and realizes that he's the winner. He raised the most money, which I think was just a goof. So Eddie dumps a bucket of water on his head, and it's very funny. And what I actually have to say is I am am impressed how much this was not played as a gay joke. Like this. So I was so worried that this was going to get incredibly homophobic and or transphobic. And it actually didn't. It was just kind of like Harvey being like, yeah, you know what? Uh, You know, the bikini top is a little bit of a joke, but it's not it's not played nearly as shittily as I would have expected for 90s television. They actually did (laughs) a lead up to this. So earlier um, in the scene where uh, Harvey calls Shawnee out on her rumpus room, um, she says, are they they have a conversation about how Baywatch was going to sponsor one of their own to be in it, which is why he expected her to be in it. And he goes, well, we got to get somebody and oh, so yeah. that's the hint that he would then be in the bikini because he couldn't figure out who else would do it. So he did it. So I am just now putting that together. So, <laughs> hey, one time the subtlety of Baywatch yeah. actually surprised you. Yeah. You see, that's the, that's the Monty Markham way. That's oh. a Shakespeare works. Yeah. So you uh, you lead him on and then you expect you uh, you uh, deliver whistling that's. Um, not that great in the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, it 32000 it's not enough for the sea mammals. Maybe they should mm-hmm. raise them themselves, those lazy little fuckers. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, the scene ends with, you see the total of 32000 and Shawnee is frowning and sad because they need 50000 And mm-hmm. she's not taking into account any of the expenses. She did say that, you know... Um, some of the bikini models were going to be uh, uh, expensed um, and, or subsidized, and uh, some of the the businesses around there were going to be putting up stuff so they, their expenses wouldn't be as high. But you yeah. still have to pay expenses. You're not yeah. you're making thirty two thousand dollars for a non for a charitable cause, but you don't have an organization behind the money. So the yeah. taxing behind that is going to be all wacky. I know they really should have made sure this bikini contest was a 501c3 like otherwise what are you even doing? I think what they should have done. I feel sorry that I didn't laugh at your joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, now I don't feel sorry anymore. Um I think they should have called their organization um ooh ooh uh ooh no Rumps for mumps <laughs> makes no sense. Uh, nope, sure uh, doesn't. Uh, oh, oh, how about MRR? Manimals, manimals. <laughs> 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 Fuck it, manimals, because it's man and animals for rumpus rooms. MRR. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Fuck manimals. Is that that's like Danimals, the freaking Do you remember Danimals? Yeah, the the like yogurt. Yeah, exactly. I haven't had a Danimal in forever. I don't even know if they're know. still around. Wait, hold on. For the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, we have to we have to dive into our very important segment that, as uh, loyal listeners know, we do every episode, which is the Manimal Danimal Corner. <laughs> well, it's also <laughs> our part of our weekly uh, do Danimals still exist <laughs> segment. Um, apparently, uh, Danimals do still exist, uh, which is great. They also have Danimal smoothies. Uh, we also have super Danimals, uh, <laughs> which is just crazy. Uh, but the box art is a Danimal with a cape flying. Uh, <laughs> so, damn, if you eat enough yogurt, you can fly. Yeah. And if if you enjoyed this segment and want to learn more about Danimals in the future, uh, just set your RSS reader to subscribe to do Danimals still exist dot Baywatch dot yogurt. And, you know, we'll be publishing all sorts of all sorts of updates there on the latest status of whether or not Danimals still exist. So you're definitely going to make that an alias for our site, aren't you? I'm I'm not because dot yogurt is not a TLD. <laughs> we could still we could purchase that domain though. Uh we could not because because yogurt is not a TLD. You sure about this? Pretty damn sure. Perch okay, wait, Google. I suppose I suppose purchase. we could petition ICANN, but then we'd have to set up uh like DNS in every single time zone inhabited by humans and also pay ICANN a shit ton of money. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Let's see here. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we'll look this up later. Um, <laughs> I, at, my, at, at my last job, one of the things we found is um, we were trying to look up like the best unpurchased domain um, we mm-hmm. could find. And my favorite one we found was crackmap.rip. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I was like, damn, I don't even know what I'd do with that. Dub- I mean, I probably would have it linked to, you know, like poetry or something like that just mm-hmm. to throw people off. But ultimately, that should be the alias domain for Baywatch Rookie School because <laughs> nothing screams Baywatch Rookie School like crack maps. Yeah. Anyway, lots of, lots of butt cracks in this show, that's for sure. That too. Anyways, so. Shawnee, very sad. She shows up to the Mammal Society and she's like, you know, I didn't get enough money. I only got thirty two thousand. And uh, Dr. Sexy Doctor is like, you know, <laughs> I think Gilly will be ready tomorrow. Hopefully we can release her. Um, but, you know, we still got to pack everything up. And then Mitch shows up in his truck and he's like, pay or play, pay or play. <laughs> Uh, and he's like, I didn't know what it meant before, but now pay or play. Um, and he mm-hmm. he got all this money and he has a check for $20,000, which, again, given their expenses, should not equal the amount of money that they need. But OK, OK. Well, Anyways. so they needed 50K. They raised 32 plus Mitch's 20. That brings them to 52. So as long as they kept it under 2K after sponsorship, which feels like it could be possible, then actually maybe maybe that math does check out. Maybe, but then you also got to get taxed. 
Well, sure, that's true. But tax tax bill doesn't come due for a while, so right. you know. But they can just they can just, you know, tell the IRS to fuck off for a while. But as we all know, doctors don't make money. So Oh yes, true. So Doctor Sexy Doctor, Doctor Sexy Vic Doctor <laughs> uh I'm sure is just like broke. I mean, probably mm-hmm. is. Uh and he can't even contribute a cent to that. So he I needs know. literally fifty thousand on the dot for now in perpetuity um mm-hmm. for this. Uh, and Mitch has that 20000 though. Uh, he's also had some money left over to fix the truck. And by Hobie's, you know, like, jet propulsion hockey gear. Because uh, <laughs> it costs so fo- so much money. Um, and this is very exciting to Gilly, the sea lion, who proceeds to make the following noise at this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and they're like oh gilly ha ha and i was like ah fuck is this an snl segment and then i tried to take that out of my mind and just say just focus on baywatch no gilly Mm -hmm. snl shit we don't talk about that this is not an snl podcast (laughs) so then they go out to a boat and they release gilly and that's the end yeah that's that's pretty much it yeah it was you know it was a it was a pretty good episode i would call it Fairly middle of the road. So, Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet again, just like last episode, we have three reviewers. Um, and to mm-hmm. remind everybody of our season two rating scale. A one is ruining your food so bad that the smoke alarm goes off. And ten is getting your boy toy David Hasselhoff to talk to you about Wuthering Heights. Yeah. Now... IMDB user Sandcrab277 <laughs> has given this a 4 out of 10, which he says is, why keep that puts Monty Markham? He's as useless as teats on a boar hog. The writers and producers <laughs> have to find... What? Some- <laughs> yes. Apparently, some people just call that a boar hog, and I'm just like, you mean like a boar? Yeah, <laughs> like it's not necessary. Anyways, the writers and producers have to find some way to involve him in the script each episode. Dump him and their ratings will improve greatly, especially if you replace him with a stunning babe. There is no way you could raise 50 Oof. grand with a bikini contest. A thousand dollars, perhaps if the babes are awesome and not set extras. One out of two people found this review helpful. <laughs> Um, All right. I am one of those two people, and I read it. <laughs> no. So one person found it helpful. I did not. So I don't know. I think that's a pretty helpful review, if you ask me. Look, I, I need him to teach me about econ- the economy, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because, look, he wrote this in the 16th of December 2020. That was a whole new era. It was a whole different era than what we live in now because we live in the Biden era. And I don't know mm-hmm. how money worked back then. So if he tells it's you true. that, you know, a thousand dollars is the most he would get uh, at a bikini contest. I mean, I got to believe him. He is a crab in the sand. <laughs> he would know best. It's true. It's true. So, Morgan. On a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. how do you rate this episode? 
Yeah. Uh, before I uh, issue my rating, I do want to offer a, a brief correction. Earlier when I made the joke that they should have registered the bikini contest as a 501c3, I want to officially correct the record and say that uh, the joke I should have made is that they should have registered it as a 501 double D. Um, and now I'm going to give my episode rating. Okay. Um, okay. That was, I'm very glad you corrected. Otherwise I would have given this information to the wrong people. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I just, listen, I knew we were going to get tweets about it. So I just wanted to, you know, I wanted to cut it off before <laughs> anyone had a chance. Um, but yeah, in terms of episode rating, um, I'm going to, I'm going to give this one a six. I think it's pretty middle of the road for the most part um with with some decent bits here and there um you know i hate harvey a lot um but there were a lot of very attractive people in this episode between the vet and uh you know just everyone both in the uh entertainment party in the bikini contest um and so that you know that's always a plus in my books um Plus, I always love seeing uh, some bad acting from good actors is always just funny to me. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll call it a six overall. And I will say that a six is the experience of going to this cool entertainment party. um, And really what you want to do is just cut loose and get drunk and go in the ocean. But there's just these stern lifeguards who won't let you do it. You know that they're doing the right thing and they're trying to stop you from drowning. But man, that water just looks so nice. How about you, Michael? Um, I'm going to rate this lower than you. I'm going to give it a five. OK, I there are some fun parts of it. But overall, as you said, it's pretty middling. Um, not, not much happens Really, mm-hmm. um, I do. I do like the same things you also listed. Which you know, actors trying to act like they're bad actors is very fun to me. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like it that much. And I think the party scene was 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 probably the most fun part. This is much yeah. better though than last episode. Yes, much much better. Yes. Um, and uh, I think that may may have bumped up the rating a little bit. Uh, a five. I'm going to say a five is. Is Gone Girl the one with the big argument? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it does have an argument in it, but it's like a the movie, scene. the movie with the big argument could be a lot of movies. You know, I know, but like there, it, it has a, a famous argument. In it, right? I not that I remember. What was it? What movie was it from a few years ago? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, no, 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 no. No, it's uh, it's. Wait, is it that scene? Marriage Story, maybe? Nah, is it? I mean, that's the one that has the memes of, like, Adam Driver in the big argument. No, who's the... Oh, my God. Who is in... Was it Blue... Uh, Blue Valentine? No, wait. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was the one with... Um, oh, fuck. I loved that movie Ryan so Gosling, much. Michelle Williams. I've still... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I, I, oh, I my should. God. 
I it should. literally it literally took me an entire week to watch it because every like 20 minutes I would just like break down in hysterical crying because oh. it was so just like powerful. Um, Even that's the one. OK. Yeah. OK. It's so good. So oh, you can keep all that conversation. <laughs> so a five is watching Blue Valentine. And in the middle of one of the fights, someone turns on a chainsaw and you just can't hear <laughs> anything. Like you can get sort of what's happening from like people just emoting at each other. But you're like, what was that? Could someone turn on the subtitles? And then you have to find out how you turn on the subtitles on your specific service you're watching on. And no mm-hmm. one does it the same way. And then like the <laughs> subtitles have to like take a break for a second before they come in. And you're like... I missed everything now. They have to go back. And you're like, can you just turn off that chainsaw? And they're like, no, it calms me. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think people who <laughs> chainsaw just normal stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's a five. Now, Morgan, would you like to hear about the next episode? Yes, please. So our next episode of the podcast is a guest episode. We will be having someone on with us for this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is the fabulous Buchanan boys. Uh, so oh, man. Our Baywatch description is Mitch's brother, Buzzy, comes oh. it with his estranged son, Kyle, who proves to be a bad influence on Hobie. When Kyle illegally surfs near the condemned sand deepest here, <laughs> he collides with a submerged piling and is sent underwater unconscious. Oh, boy. Now the IMDb description. Mitch's older brother, Buzz, a surfing nomad, arrives in town for a visit with his newfound 12-year-old son, Kyle, an angry and neglected kid who constantly gets himself and Hobie into trouble. Kay Morgan is pressured by Mitch to write an article for her new newspaper company, The Venice Voice, about a dilapidated pier that should be slated for demolition, which proves to be correct when Kyle lands in danger while rashly surfing under the pier. Meanwhile, this is so random. Meanwhile, Eddie and Shawnee come across a con man named Eduardo, (laughs) (laughs) which is so pointless, who is selling... Oh, God, this is is so stupid. It's not bad, it's just stupid. Let me start that sentence over. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile... Just for dramatic effect, keep that in. Meanwhile, Eddie and Shawnee come across a con man named Eduardo who is selling a certain kind of bikini that turns out to dissolve upon contact with salt water. What? <laughs> I know. I was like, what is this shit? Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, this is going to be interesting. This is <laughs> definitely going to be, uh, I guess the words are a thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not really sure what to expect here. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be a fun episode. Again, it's going to be a guest episode. So we yeah. hope, you, hope you all enjoy it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's going to be going to be a good one for sure. Um, but yeah, I think all that's left to say in this episode is thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I'm at Morgan P. Thrap. I'm at Snotsnit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, hips, lips, and fingertips. Word to your mother. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do that every time now. It's going to hate it. (laughs)